Hi everybody and welcome to The Spill Effect. I'm EJ Safner and today our guest is one of the most entrepreneurial people that I've come across, especially in terms of crossing lines of industries and not being afraid to put herself out there. She's a storyteller, a creator herself, she's a blogger, podcast host, and the founder of her own creative agency and even a skateboard line. So I'm so excited to get to know her, get to know her work and have um, just all the opportunities to learn from her. Please welcome Emily Elizabeth Duong. Hey. Hello. Thank you for that intro. Absolutely. I am doing well currently in New York, so loving life right now. Things are great. <laughs> are you normally in New York? Where is like your your like headquarters? Yeah, my headquarters is actually in LA, but um, definitely kind of transitioning towards like being in New York part time for at least like a big chunk of the year. So um, COVID kind of put that path back a little bit, but. Um, I still try to come here when I can, especially I have a lot of friends here, but also just kind of more of my networking circle for like my business and my projects. So um, yeah, I definitely like being here as much as I can. So tell me, just kind of give us like a brief overview of like who you are, kind of what you do. We'll kind of break it down. Um, but especially with the move to New York and new projects, kind of back it up for us and give us like the background. Yeah. So um, it gets, it's pretty dynamic, I would say, but I was born and raised in Pennsylvania. So came from a really hey. small town. Really? No yeah, I'm actually here now. Oh, I was okay. traveling this oh, morning. Nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I came from Lancaster, very small. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, right. yeah, very small town. Yeah, so um, and I definitely had some friends that went to school in Pittsburgh, like IU. Is it called? Yeah, Indi yeah, yeah, IUP. Yeah, so um, I'm, I've only been to Pittsburgh once, but yeah, I came from mainly like uh, Lancaster, Reading, Philly area, that part. Um, lived there for 18 years, grew up there, and then finally left the bubble, as I would say, and moved to California on my own, where I went to school in Orange County, which is about 45 minutes south of Los Angeles, for those who aren't familiar with OC. Uh, went to school at Chapman, graduated in 2019, studied communication and business there. And um, prior to all that though, so this is like big in context for understanding why I do what I do. I was a figure skater for 12 years, as well as a tennis player. Um, and I did both sports, fortunately, because they're both A, very individualistic, and B, my brother was a tennis player as well. He played at Penn State. So I was able to like train with him and the balance of both sports was easier for that reason. But I guess had I not have a like family member play, I think that would have been different and probably harder to maintain. Um, but did that for 12 years prior to college and then kind of ended my competitive career in both sports once I went to school. Um, but skating is obviously my background and that was how I started my skatewear line, Elite Skatewear, one of my businesses, which I started when I was like 16 or 17. And I started on eBay. And people always wondered like why I started it. And honestly, it was just that bratty stage of being a 16, 17 year old. I think all of us girls can relate to some you extent. Have to somewhere. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it was because I was like 16 or 17 at the time. And I just told my mom, like I was skating to this like Swan Lake track. And I think it was more of like a black swan, like type of darker vibe. And 
I couldn't find a designer or a dress that I really liked that meshed well with what I was envisioning. And so I kind of put together a Pinterest board. I don't even think it was Pinterest. It was just like more of like my Pinterest board in my head of like ideas of what I wanted. And then showed it to my mom, asked her if there's a way I can just go on my own and get a manufacturer to like put this together for me. So fast forward, we get that done. And then when I compete, people are asking me where I get this dress or who designed it. And I'm telling them, oh, I did. And I think the reason why so many people my age were interested was because I was a 17-year-old designing for a 17-year-old, right? Whereas most designers or dressmakers were like maybe 40 or 50 making it for a teenager. So um, that's when- you could see it from their perspective, if they were to come to you with ideas, mm -hmm. you would probably understand at least like their language more than, like you said, a 40 or 50-year-old could. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of when I uh, thought of like, wait, what if I could- make replicas of this to each person's measurements and so that's when i came out with this what i call a custom made to fit almost like a wedding dress whatever you get tailored to your measurements and i started out on ebay had a couple of designs there and then halfway through college i decided i want to take it more seriously and expand further so i made my own e-commerce store and then finally got into some retail shops as well so um, that was, that's one of my main businesses. And then of course, as you mentioned, you know, like my podcast, um, also my own creative marketing agency, which is like my most recent venture. So um, that's kind of what I do. But then on top of that, I still actually work a nine to five in sales. So no. um, definitely are you lot. serious? I'm serious. Yeah. I don't know if you ever knew that. Yeah. So I was saying nobody can see me, nobody can see the reaction, but like my <laughs> dropped the amount of things yeah. that I have listed that you do. And nowhere yeah. on here says nine to five. That is so amazing. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I do work in nine to five. And I will preface, I think anyone that works in nine to five, um, but if it's especially in sales, it's fortunate for me where it's not strictly nine to five. It's literally however you want to make your day out of it. And I think with sales, that's what I loved about it is that if you can prove that you're delivering results, no one's ever going to check in on like if you're working or whatever, because sales is sales. Like if you're selling and you're delivering results, then they're going to leave you alone, which I fortunately, um, when I started my job last December, I realized like that's what I was going to do for the first two months, which I did. And since then, I always had a very, um, I'd say just like good standing within the company that no one ever, everyone always kind of guessed like, oh, she must be working on her projects or something. But at the same time, I was always delivering results. And so I think for people, it's hard to argue like, you know, she's doing really well. So let her do what she needs to do to keep up whatever energy or mentality she needs to perform well at the, at the nine to five job. So yeah, that's everything I do on a career and I guess personal level, but I'm so stoked to dive into whatever you want to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of, I wanted to pick that one word that I kind of caught on to when you were talking about why tennis and why figure skating. And you said it was individualistic and I was a gymnast mm -hmm. growing up, so I can completely relate to the attraction of having something like on your shoulders and it being your responsibility, like it is your job out there. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if that kind of transferred to the way that you're attracted to starting these new projects and doing things for yourself, whether mm -hmm. it be the skatewear line or, or even just your creative marketing agency and just mm -hmm. kind of having that mindset of like, okay, this is on me. I'm going to start it. If it interests me, let's just do it. Mm -hmm. How do you think that kind of, transferred from you know your younger self to now yeah absolutely great question I would say I attribute all of my ambition and discipline and individualistic 
personality to my upbringing as an athlete in those two particular sports. Um, you know, I'm a great team player, but I think the, the best trait about me that has been able to stand out in a lot of areas of my life is being able to be willing to go out and do it on my own. And I think that's what most people are afraid of doing today is being able to step outside of their bubble or their friend group or outside of the norm and do whatever it is that they want to do. They want to see someone else step out first and then they can trust the path. You know what I mean? And I get it. And I, and I understand that is why there's this analogy of the 1% or the 5% and then there's 95% of people, right? And I think um, you do have to do things that scare you. So for, you know, when I was skating, I was five years old, my first competition or my first show, I was so scared to go out there and perform for everyone. And, you know, I remember just being pushed out there. You can do it, you can do it. And I just think the more you practice that muscle of doing things on your own and you get to reap the rewards of seeing how your confidence gets built, your, um, your self-discipline, everything is, you know, you, your performance is based on yourself. And so what I learned from that in tennis and skating is like, you have to take accountability for everything you do, your fault, your wins, your losses, whatever, it's all on you. And so I think that's also enabled me to not blame things on other people either. You know, I always try to take full accountability for everything that happens in my life, regardless if someone else did have a slight impact on it. You know, I always try to come back and say, nope, that was all me. And then with that being said, I can move forward saying, okay, since that was all me, what can I do differently for the next thing or the next, you know, um, venture or whatever project I'm pursuing? What can I do differently? Or even in a relationship, what can I do differently to improve moving forward because it's all me. But when you say someone else did it, or when you try to put it more into a group, oh, this is my group's fault that the group project was late or whatever, then that's when you're removing this ability to improve from where you were. So that's kind of my mind mindset that has definitely parlayed over from like my upbringing and my athletic upbringing to where I am right now. Yeah, and I liked when you were talking about kind of just doing it over and over, it kind of on a lower level, I can relate to that because I think in the music field and at least, at least where I am in life with trying to get a job and mm -hmm. trying to, you know, kickstart a career, I think pitching is a really big deal. And I've gotten really comfortable in it just because in Spill, reaching out to artists, reaching out to guests on the podcast, reaching out mm -hmm. to people that I want to write about, it's just flexing this muscle that's like uncomfortable at first. You don't know this person, mm -hmm. they're probably not going to respond they might see it and not even respond. And that one hurts mm -hmm. a little bit, regardless of mm -hmm. how, you know, how much you don't care, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think just like you said, it's, it's practicing, it's making yourself comfortable to take the next step out of your comfort zone, to, to ask for the next thing or to go for the next project. Um, mm -hmm. But you balance, like we just kind of mentioned a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And you've kind of mentioned your, your, you know, kind of, relationships as well so what is the hardest thing about and this is kind of a two-parter but the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur in terms of balancing your work endeavors so all of your different projects mm -hmm. and then on top of that maintaining a healthy social life mm -hmm. um I would say you know the way I balance is by prioritizing what's most important to me. So I, I look at like, for example, the fact that I'm in New York right now, but my headquarters or my home base is LA. Um, you know, one of my biggest audacious goals right now with it for like the next two to three years is to be fully bi-coastal, is to be able to have the freedom to live in 
New York, like for all of fall season, for example, like the best season to be here and um, to be able to be in LA when I want to. And I think, um, you know, knowing that as being like, I kind of always related back to skating where I never went to the Olympics because of injuries and not pursuing it full time or seriously as my colleagues or my train training mates did. But now this is my new Olympic goal. And so that's how I, I balance it around that as in like, what do I want most out of my life? You know what I mean? Like, do I want to live like the average 23 year old and kind of sweep by by every other Friday, you know, paycheck and, and, you know, go get drunk with friends. And, and I'm not saying there's, there's no right or wrong answer either in terms of balance. It really isn't, but I find it best when you pinpoint what is most important to you and what you would want your life to be like, if you, if you could, if there was no limitations, what would your life be like, you know, and to me, I think if you can write that down or speak it to your parents, to your friends or to yourself and say, this is what my life would look like tomorrow. If I had no limitations, money was an issue, wasn't an issue, whatever. When you, when you realize that is what it is and you start to tell yourself, wait, there's someone out there doing that. To me, that's where I put my focus on. So to me, it's like, okay, if I want to get there, what is it that you want to do? Because there's no way a nine to five job is going to bring you that life vision. You know what I mean? So I think that's where I start to gauge like, okay, what are you good at? What, what is it that you like? So the second part to that is like, I've always loved building relationships and meaningful connections with people and especially young women like yourself all over the world. And I think that's what I've enjoyed the most on my podcast is being able to connect with you guys like this and be able to see how the podcast has reached people and to actually like see me start from zero and like grow over the, the past, you know, 10, nine, eight, whatever months. Um, and hearing you guys talk about how it's in, impacted you, like that's incredible to me. Um, but then also with the friends thing, I think a huge advice I would have on that is being really mindful about your circle. Um, I personally have a very specific and small circle and um, I think this one is really tricky for people our age because a lot of people don't know how to say no to, you know, girlfriends, guy friends, whatever, that don't really align with them. They kind of always have that FOMO effect or they kind of always have that fear of being mean to someone. And I think you're wasting your time if you know deep down, you always have that gut feeling when you meet someone or you're around someone or around a group of people and you're like, oh, they're not my vibe or they're not my energy, you know, deep down. And so for me, the, I think the main difference I do from a lot of my peers is that I actually mindfully like make no like, nope, I don't vibe with that group and I'm going to make sure I don't hang out with them again. Um, and I think that's how I find the balance. So the people I hang out with is typically like, my core friends, either in New York, LA, wherever, uh, whatever city. And when I, when I see them, I make sure I spend quality time with them. I grab lunch or grab dinner, have conversations, ask them how they're doing, ask them how I can help them in their life, whatever that may be. And I keep that consistent. But I think a lot of people might try to open the door too wide and let different types of people come in to like explore options, right? So I think for me, how I maintain balance is not letting too many options come into my life and being really flustered by like, oh, I have this friend and this friend and this friend. And then suddenly you're confused what path you're going on because you want it to all like kind of funnel in one direction. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but um, no, it was that's, just kind of, <laughs> that's just kind of like my thought process on how I balance everything and then how it starts with like prioritizing what I want most. Yeah. And I think honestly, I'm glad for that answer because I know that I especially struggle at least maybe not right now in, in school because at this point I'm you know, I graduated in December, but I'm still living in my college town. So it's my 
my close college group, we've kind of narrowed mm -hmm. it down. You know, we're at that point where it's like, okay, these are the people I like. These are the mm -hmm. people I'm hanging with, that type of thing. But um, I think that's definitely a concern of mine whenever I do move wherever it is, New York, LA, Nashville, anything like that, that mm -hmm. you know, there are so many people in this kind of creative, fast paced industry. I don't mm -hmm. really want to be swept up into something that I find myself later kind of questioning. Um, but I think making kind of like, even if they feel like the difficult choices every day, like you said, if you kind of get a vibe from someone that this isn't really it, just mm -hmm. follow it. Um, so I think and that's I wanna, a reminder. I want to add there as well, um, you know, a misconception that a lot of people, including my mom, who's a little bit more traditional thinker, um, most of the time, they kind of think that it's either A, that you're acting like you're too good for that person or too good for that group of people, or B, that you're just very standoffish and you don't give people a chance. And my answer, or rather like, I guess, debate to that is, um, you know, I think there's, again, there's this gut feeling, even with a romantic partner or a friendship, they're all relationships regardless. And you always have that feeling of if you have this energy that connects, right? Where there's what, like 9 billion people in this world. Like, you know, there's so many people you can connect with and you can't say yes to everyone, right? So I actually look at it as rather you're doing an injustice to someone by actually pretending that you guys have a vibe or an energy. It's like the same thing with like, you got to think of it as like you're leading a guy on or vice versa. If a guy is leading you on, but he knows he's never going to want to date you, you wouldn't want that, right? Wouldn't you rather have him just cut it off and be like, hey, you're a great person, but you know, I'm just not interested. It might sting a little bit, but you know, like you look back and you're like, wow, I'm really glad he didn't waste my time, right? So I look at it as the same thing is that you're actually helping the other person by not letting them waste their time in like pursuing a friendship or whatever it is with you, because you already know you're going to, they're not going to like certain things that you do, or maybe certain views or philosophies you live by. And so for that reason, it's better for both of you. It's a win-win to not really explore that friendship because there's already certain factors that already determine, okay, we're not maybe the best fit for each other in our lives, but you're still a great person. You see what I'm saying? So I feel yeah, like that's absolutely. definitely a debate I've had there doesn't necessarily have to be a confrontation or like a, mm -hmm. a big blowout, especially if you've met this person once or twice and you're still in that phase where you're kind of deciding your acquaintances mm -hmm. more. I would much rather kind of have that experience of being like, I mean, it, just a com an open, honest, respectful conversation. And I think that that's something, especially you said that your mom is a little more traditional. She's probably a little bit older than us, but especially mm -hmm. our generation, I feel like a lot of things are looked at as insults or yeah yeah confrontation when it's really just it's kind really of your opinion out there um, yeah but kind of switching still talking about putting your opinion out there um but let's talk about your blog it's mindset lifestyle and career and then kind of mm -hmm. tie in um the what fulfills you podcast tell me a little bit about those projects and kind of just the purpose behind them what you were you know not what you were but what you are trying to achieve with them Mm -hmm. My blog, I started probably towards like the middle or end of 2017. And this was at a time um, I at the time kind of wanted to try like fashion or travel blogging. And I'm kind of laughing at myself. because I was like a sophomore in college, like what kind of fat, what kind of travel blogger are you like, you're not traveling anywhere. So, um, but it was, you know, very aspirational. Um, but I think I got really, I found my footing in that 
when I went through like the first like first part of my breakup with like a long-term boyfriend I had at the time I dated him for four years but at the time it was like I guess like a year and a half almost two years and we broke up for like six to eight months and that's when I started going like really vulnerable and deep on my blog and I was talking about my mentality about how I was growing through it and that's when it really connected with a lot of people and um, I think that's when I realized like I find that my personal stories and my mindset and my philosophy on certain approaches in life, kind of the same thing with friendship and stuff, um, that was more applicable to a lot of my readers versus kind of the the jargon of like, I don't know, traveling and fashion and all that, which is still fun and on. You might see more of that on my Instagram, but I think blogging is kind of comes more from like my philosophy at life at the age of 23. So um, that's kind of been my purpose is just to like write my thoughts, almost like a personal diary, but a little bit more professional where people still get to see this like, or at least people get to have a takeaway from it, you know, from a blog well, it'll post. It would also be nice to be able to kind of look back, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be a year or 10 years down the road and kind of see where you were, see if the philosophies have changed or have kind of stayed the same through your, you know, life experiences. But I think also at 23, a lot of young women, especially, might not say it out loud, but they're looking for advice from someone who's maybe a year older around their age, who Mm -hmm. has just, I mean, that's why I started the podcast in in general. And it's because I am kind of fluctuating in what I want to do, but I want to hear from people who are around my age, around my demographic Mm -hmm. that, you know, are kind of making what they want to do a reality because it just seems Mm -hmm. so far-fetched. but yeah, I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, no, I, I couldn't agree more with it as well. And I think that's also, again, like a second layer to why I, I've done podcasting and this blog is that I wanted to almost be the older sister I've never had. I have an older brother um, who's eight years older than me, but I never had a sister figure. And I think for that reason, I figured out a lot of what I guess you call this young adult life rather quickly and which is probably why you see I do a lot and um, definitely not as normal for a 23 year old which a lot of pros and cons to it but I think it's all because I also didn't have that um, older sister figure or someone that would kind of talk to me about guys and dating and maybe the career aspect because I figured it out so much on my own so now I'm taking the lessons I've learned from it whether it was like a serious breakup or about moving to New York LA like finances all that I'm teaching it to like the younger generation and my philosophy behind, you know, how I go about my day-to-day life. Um, But the podcast is very similar to my blog in the sense that, again, I just want to be able to share the knowledge I I have from the years that I've gone through in college and post-grad life on on the show. But also, again, I think there's like this core theme about life fulfillment, obviously, because it's called What Fulfills You. And I think that is something, um, you know, people are catching on to now, but people aren't really gripping on to the why as to why fulfillment is sustainable versus why happiness and motivation and all of that isn't sustainable and why there's a marginal difference between the two. So I think when I went through probably my most depressive state of life during college and I, I leaned on this fulfillment aspect and kind of like how to grow from it, that's when I realized like, holy shit, sorry for swearing, but like, I was just like, (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, um, this is something every girl goes through. I mean, every 20 some year old will go through some sort of crisis like this at some point, probably what you call your mid twenties crisis. Right. And I just think I hit that super early. I was what 
20 years old at the time and I was hitting this like major deep dark crisis and um, I got out of it by figuring out or starting to map out what it is that I'm chasing and why it does bring me this automatic you can call it happiness but I call it fulfillment because it just continues to build up for you and for me it was about meaningful relationships so I think that's why it tracks back to this podcast now because I talk about in every episode to each person or even on a solo episode, I talk about something that has an underlying theme to your relationships, whether it's to your parents or to your romantic partner or to your friends, to your colleagues, to your peers, whoever it is. I think especially after this pandemic, which has probably heightened like the theme of my podcast is just realizing like, wow, we miss having a physical community. We miss seeing people in person talking to them, grabbing coffee in person without a mask, you know, like we miss like going shopping, yeah, you know, we just miss those moments with the person or with the people. And I think that's what I recognized when I was completely alone when I, as a junior in college. And I think that's why I want to bring that to light right now, because people realize that at a later time in life. And I look at it now and I'm like, wow, I'm actually really grateful I recognized it at an earlier stage in life. So I think that's kind of how my podcast and my blog has really come about just from a low point in life and now wanting to share back how I came out of it. Yeah. Well, number one, thank you for kind of turning that, you know, really, you know, negative part of your life into something that can help people who are almost inevitably going to go through something like that, different circumstances, but similar mm -hmm. feelings. Um, not as fun of a question, but because I think a lot of people, especially when you're starting something yourself, mm -hmm. I know that I really focus on the creative aspects of my projects and it's like this full dive into it, but I'm still very much learning about the technical aspects. So how do you kind of balance or decide, number one, decide on a project? Because I feel like also, when you're in the state of mind and working on new projects, there are probably a lot of things running through your mind. How do you decide on like, that is what I'm going to focus on. So the last one was your creative marketing agency was mm -hmm. Hatton. Is that how mm -hmm. you pronounce it? Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, how did you decide on that? Um, and then how do you kind of control the creativity and balance it with, okay, how do I make money? Not as mm -hmm. about, but the technical aspects of kind of creating that life that you envisioned down the road mm -hmm. in a successful, I guess you could call it money-wise way? Mm -hmm. I would say the first thing that came to mind is definitely setting a very hardcore deadline on when I have to finish things by. I say the biggest mistake I see a lot of people do is they plan way too much of a project or plan way too much of a business before they start. And I think a lot of uh, long-time entrepreneurs who are maybe 10, 12, 15, 20 years older than me would probably say the same thing as I think when I thought of Lost Hatton, I was telling my dad the last time I was in New York when he came, I, it was actually Thanksgiving. So he came up to pick me up from New York, drove me back to Pennsylvania. And on the way back, I was telling him this concept and I was explaining to him, you know, how I would pitch it to clients, you know, how I would, the logo, everything like that. And I had this all only in my mind. And at the time, I think by the end of that evening, I already had part half the website built. And I think that's the main difference. And my best recommendation is instead of trying to like pinpoint where to start, just, just go do it. 
Um, it's it, there is really no right or wrong way to go about it. But I would say if there has to be a wrong way, it's waiting too long to start. So even if you don't know where to focus first or like understanding how to make it a sustainable business or even how to get income from it, at least make the website first or like look up, you know, um, you know, templates to use or at least like the, the, the colors of your of your brand, whatever that may be. I think, again, so many people are like, focus on almost, um, let me think, like maybe they're already thinking far out, like, okay, I need to register my business as an LLC, for example. And I'm like, well, you don't even have a website yet. You don't even have um, like clients yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't even have a logo. So I think that's what you need to do is, um, especially when you have a whole idea, like when I had the agency idea, I could go anyway, right? I could literally go to the website. I could go to the logo. I could go to the coloring theme. I could create my emails, like, you know, but I literally was like, you know what? I'm just going to go create the website now, you know? And then after you create the website, you're like, okay, um, what else can I do? You know, I think there, sometimes it works better for people. I'm type A, but I don't think I approach everything with this like outline and then like follow this outline. You know, I think especially as a creative myself and being very 50-50, like logic and pragmatic, as well as my emotional creative side, I would say I just try to go take action first make it happen. And even for me, like I set a deadline, like, okay, this is when you're going to get your first client. This is when you're going to get your, you know, this is when you're going to finish your website. You know, I had all these deadlines in place because again, I think if you wait too long, that's when you get stuck, just like writer's block. Yeah. I think I definitely, I lucked out because whenever I started Spill, it was truly from a place of, I think I wrote it in like my bio. It's like a place of boredom in quarantine mm -hmm. and just the drive to start something myself in the music entertainment kind of genre um mm -hmm. but I lucked out because I remember my good friend after I lost my internship she was like you should start a blog and I was like no I I was being bitchy and just mm -hmm. kind of resentful about the situation and I was you know saying like no I'm, I'm not gonna do that and then my mom like the next day we were kind of talking about what to do and she said the same thing and I was like I'm not doing that and I remember mm -hmm. going inside and opening up my laptop and just starting a website like it was just mm -hmm. the first thing it was something creative to do um but yeah I definitely lucked out because then it was kind of like a slow climb it was like okay mm -hmm. I'm gonna set I'm gonna write two articles a week I'm gonna do everything that's very manageable to start so I don't burn out mm -hmm. um and then it's it really really benefited me to kind of take my time and mm -hmm. try and do it right but um so last question and I feel like on this type of podcast there's a plethora of, of advice um mm -hmm. so I couldn't get that word out um but what is one piece of unexpected advice that you've either received or that you've kind of put together for yourself um through your own experiences that um you would want to tell if someone was listening to this and they were thinking, you know, I really want a career like Emily's, what would you say to them? Mm -hmm. um, my advice, um, especially one that I live by too, and that I apply in everything I do, it's a quote that you probably have seen on one of my Instagrams, but it is, um, I think it's like in life, you don't get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate. And oh, um, I like also, that. yeah, and I think also kind of a second layer to that is, never take no for an answer. If you get no, you're asking the wrong person. 
And so um, those are kind of the two, I guess, philosophies or quotes I've always lived by, whether that was in my interviews or preparing for a job, or even when it was like going to a bar and trying to shoot my shot at getting free drinks. Like, and it's like, you know, I think just the, honestly, I think the biggest fear everyone has is just asking. Like I would, I remember I was in DC, like this is almost two years ago with my one, one of my best friends. And you know, I was telling her like, oh, do you think I could like ask for like free lemon drop shots on the house? And she was like, oh my God, like, I don't know. I don't know if I would ask. And I just, the guy's like, oh, what else do you guys want? I'm like, well, we'll take lemon drop shots if they're on the house. And he just like chuckles at us. But then like five minutes later, he brings back shots. And, and I just think like, drop, drop. <laughs> yeah. And I think like to me in anything in life, if you don't ask or what I call negotiate for it, um, you're, it's always going to be the, the alternative we already know, which is a no, right? And again, it's either you ask, you get a no, or you don't ask, it's still for guaranteed a no, right? So I think to me, um, that's the best advice I have is whatever you pursue in life, whether it's a romantic partner, whether it's a career, whether it's, um, you know, getting a discount at a place, like you just always got to ask. And you got to realize that the only thing that's stopping you from asking is probably just your ego because you're afraid to hear no. And I think you have to do a deep evaluation of what's the difference if you hear no, like, are you really going to die? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's kind of dramatic, but that's really true. Like if you realize there a no is not that bad as it seems, you're gonna be willing to negotiate and ask more for what you want. And I think um, the best thing that has happened for me with that philosophy was negotiating for the first car I bought for myself, which was think the spring semester, my senior year of college, I came into this dealership and I basically demanded it for like 8,000 less than the asking price. And they told me no, I think five or six times. And I just laughed at them and said, well, you're going to come back to me because this car has been on the lot for 45 days and you're about to put it into wholesale anyway. So I think you just have to be, you just have to be gutsy. And that's my best advice is like, don't take no for an answer, be gutsy, go for it. Um, and you're always going to find a way if you're the one being assertive and taking the first move. So, um, that's at least how I've done it. And that's kind of where I'm at. So you can always take it with a grain of salt, but that would be no, my advice. Take it and apply it because it's good advice. <laughs> it's also like a good reminder. I feel like a lot of times it's, it's just, I mean, it's a cliche, but it's so easy to hear a no and then to be like, mm -hmm. okay, well, I guess it's not for me. Mm -hmm. well, no, like try someone else. Like, right. Like, it's back to what I said about the pitching. It's the first like few no's or just lack of responses that I got. I remember being like so bummed. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm clearly trying to start something. I'm, I'm only going to, if I'm writing about them, I'm giving them mm -hmm. free exposure. I'm only helping them. Why aren't they taking mm -hmm. me up on this offer? And then most of the time I would just write something about them without a quote or just kind of generalized facts mm -hmm. kind of put it out there anyways and then I would just go on to the next person and eventually people started saying yes and then mm -hmm. I grew from there so it's great advice um but to wrap it up thank you so so much um everybody for listening and thank you so much uh emily elizabeth uh for switching positions just this once and being our guest on this episode make sure to go follow her on instagram at emily e duong which is e-m-i-l-y-e-d-u-o-n-g that's correct right mm -hmm. okay yeah. cool. um and also while you're at it follow me at ej safner and then follow spill at spill.ej You'll have all the podcast, article, interview updates, everything like that. But um, thank you so much for being a guest and for sharing your wisdom and experiences and knowledge. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this has been The Spill Effect. New episodes come out Tuesdays at four. Thank you so, so much for listening and I will see you for the next episode. Bye. Hi again, it's EJ. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Spill Effect. New episodes come out Tuesdays at four. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at EJ Safner and at spill.ej to keep up with new articles, episodes, and all of Spill. Thank you again for tuning in. Sending you all the love in the world and let's talk soon.